This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, it's May 2022 and we're back here again with Dune Talk. It's all here, the official show of DuneNewsNet.com where we cover everything happening in the universe of Dune, books, movies, TV shows, games, and more. Today we're going to be talking a bit of movie news or rumors and the recently released Dune Spice Wars real-time strategy video game. And we're especially excited to get into uh, the first official Dune TV series news in, in almost a year. This is Marcus and I'm joined with the regular crew of Dune Talk. Hey, it's Karen. Glad to be back. Uh, I've got some interesting things to discuss today and um, I was able to play the, the Dune Spice Wars game, so I'm excited to talk about that. Yes. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. Johnny Sobchak here, of course. Um, so we've got some interesting news uh, in the interim to discuss. And uh, yeah, the game is out. I know a lot of people have been talking about that. So um, let's get to it. Simon here. Yep. Game, TV news, movie news. All we need is some comic news or book news. And then we have everything around pretty much on collecting because I want more figures. Dune movie news. Well, while there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Dune Part 2, the last weeks of April were quieter in terms of official news. I mean, uh, earlier in the month, we got the confirmations for uh, Princess Irlan Carino and Fade Rotha Harkonnen, uh, played by Florence Pugh and Austin Butler, respectively. Of course, one major role remains open. That's right. Who's going to portray Shaddam Carino IV? Nothing official has been released. Uh, however, some rumors have been circulating that at least two high-profile actors are in contention. Again, this is totally not verified, uh, but the names in question that we've heard a lot are Christian Bale and Mads uh, Mikkelsen. Uh, Johnny, going back to like a couple of uh, shows back, you had mentioned that you fully expect them to go with a big name for the role of the emperor. If this turns out to be true, uh, what are your thoughts and which of those would be your preference? Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um... Yeah, you, I did mention that, and I do think that makes a lot of sense. I think you need to have someone that has some gravitas or some weight, not just as an actor on screen, but also behind their name, because you are going with a part two. You want to go bigger. You want to go bolder, bring in more people, get a bigger box office. So um, these two names, yeah, as you pointed out, not verified whatsoever. They are just kind of thrown out there. We're not really sure how valid any of these may be, but they are two names that you do hear a lot. Uh, especially Mads Mikkelsen. He's been collecting the uh, the franchises like Infinity Stones. Um, I know he's going to be, I mean, he was in Star Wars Rogue One. He was in Doctor Strange in 2016, same year. Uh, he is in playing in Grindelwald in, in the Fantastic Beast franchise now. Uh, I don't think he's a DC Comics character yet, but I could see that coming up. A lot of people have been throwing him around for Mr. Freeze uh, in the Batman movies, which I think would be pretty cool. Um, and then Indiana Jones, he's going to be in that next year. So um, he is definitely always popping up in high profile. And I definitely see him as someone that has a regal kind of quality to them and can play a lot of different angles to that. As we know, with, with Shaddam the fourth, he has some layers to him that does, and, and there is a lot that you can do with that with him in particular, I think as an actor. Um, and then Christian Bale, I think, again, someone who is very well known. He played Batman, I think as well, what most people think about when they think about Christian Bale, but also he is a great character actor and, and uh, he is very transformative. And I don't think we've ever really seen him in something where he's playing, to my knowledge, where it's like royalty or something like on that level um, or like a real like 
leader in that way. So that would be pretty cool. It's something that we haven't really seen from him and he's been in a lot of different films. So it'd be nice to see him cut his teeth on something like that. Uh, it's again, tough to say if this is valid whatsoever. It also lines up with, I think, the age and the look of the actor that I'm imagining at this point, especially with Florence Pugh before the show started, Simon was pointing out that you, I could see like a Florence being Christian Bale's daughter, um, you know, to some degree. And, and I, I think you could pull off the same thing with Mads. So I really like them both. I think it'd be amazing. I'd be very happy if either of those names uh, ended up happening. Also, people have been talking about a lot of like getting someone high profile getting someone who people are thinking about. Um, they start filming in July what movie comes out in july thor love and thunder christian bale is playing the main villain in that maybe there's it's serendipity in some way that'd be uh it would be perfect sense from a marketing perspective for uh, both people both parties um so hey maybe that's something where he is looking to do another franchise he's, he's done batman now he's doing it the mcu maybe he'll want to throw you know get himself into a denis villeneuve uh, film it's also funny to think about this just kind of random trivia for villeneuve but uh, prisoners in its earlier stages, Christian Bale was supposed to be Detective Loki in that movie. Of course, we know that it ended up being, uh, you know, uh, the, the casting was switched to Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, who Villeneuve really likes working with. So, um, but that, that'd be kind of funny if it, they kind of came back together in that way. Uh, I, I would certainly be up for it. But again, it really could be one. Who knows? Uh, I'm just excited. I still like this this time period where we're still really not sure. It's just a bunch of guessing. Because then once we know it, that's like what it is, like in stone forever. So um, I am anxious. I'm excited to fi find out. Could be any day now. Could be months from now, uh, as we've said before. But I, I like both of these. I've been curious to see what you guys think. It could be announced as I'm editing this show. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much like the last casting news that we got. Um, I would love Christian Bale. I'm like most people I'm more familiar with his work, obviously. Mads Nicholson is one of my favorite parts of Rogue One, and I'm not a big fan of that movie, but you're right. He, both of them are collecting franchises, um, and they do have connections with Warner Brothers. Bell, obviously, with the Batman stuff and Nolan, and Mads has done, you know, the, the Wizarding World now, and I'm sure he's been in other stuff with Warner Brothers. Uh, I think his big breakout is um, Hannibal, right, on NBC. I think that's where a lot of people started knowing him. Um, they're both really good choices. I'm a Christian Bale fan. He's from Wales. He likes my favorite band. They're from Wales. Um, also, he's Batman. And, you know, if if Shaddam is anything like a little bit over the top, as he should be, I'm picturing Christian Bale from 20 years ago, Patrick Bateman, American Psycho, kind of that over the top. Um, it should begin. I'm just, like you said, they're they're filming soon and who knows they might start filming and we might not know until like september and being like hey by the way we cast this person and we'll be like great um i like what you guys are saying i mean christian bale has been one of my my favorite actors since i first saw him as a child actor in empire of the sun back when i was a teenager i was just so blown away by his ability to act even as a child um and he just does carry a lot of weight and gravitas like like you said johnny um, very versatile. So I can, I can see him. I can see Mads Mikkelsen as well. I'm not as familiar with him, but I, I can see the versatility. Um, when I think of uh, the Emperor Shaddam, I think of someone a little more subtle. Uh, now, now, 
the way uh, Denis has depicted the, the Baron is much more subtle than what you get in the book. So, so it'll be interesting to see if he casts someone who has the ability to, to sort of show that royalty and, and power and ego in a very subtle way. Um, the other rumor that I really like is Gary Oldman, uh, only because when I, the, the experiences I've had watching him on the screen is he just carries this other layer of power. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like um, the way he is, he is projecting the character has another layer beneath it. I don't know how else to describe that. And I just think that's something that the emperor Shaddam Karina would need to have here because I don't know that we're going to see, uh, I guess we don't know what the script is for, for Dune Part 2, but how much screen time will the Emperor have, or will it be he's in the background, as he was in Part 1, completely in the background. We don't see him, but his presence is there. So we're going to see him in, in Part 2, but he also is going to need to project this, this far-reaching universal power to create the antithesis and the opposition to, to Paul and what, what Paul becomes. So um yeah so Gary Oldman's another one I don't know if it's possible with what he's doing currently but that's someone that it just kind of seems to fit uh in my mind the other rumors uh I, I'm not as much of a fan of they don't seem to to really sit as well with me so yeah those are my thoughts I mean Gary Oldman is a beast you know you think of him he was in the fifth element and then a couple of years before he was in the professional slash Leon uh with Natalie Portman and Jean Reno it's not the same actor. He changes so much. Like you take his role in, you know, the Harry Potter franchise, and then you think he was Sid Vicious also, and then he was Dracula. So he's one of those like, very much like David Bowie that can change his personality and his outlook. So I didn't even think about Gary Oldman until you brought it up. Yeah, Gary Oldman, just adding to that, Gary Oldman is certainly, I mean, he's a pretty titanic actor I certainly wouldn't be opposed to him um, from an acting perspective I think my one reservation with, with that would be he is considerably older than the other two especially Christian Bale uh, I think he's like 15 years older so I think and everyone has their own opinion I guess on the age of the emperor like what how old he should look or how, how old he should be I think the consensus is that he should be more like 40s or early 50s maybe um, you know and that would be more believable or in line with like Florence Pugh is his daughter, potentially, who's like 24-ish, I think. Um, so, you know, I, I think Christian Bale, I really do like, I, now that I'm talking about it and thinking about it, it makes more and more sense to me. And I, I, I'm not going to set myself up to be supported, but Mads Mikkelsen, no, I, again, I do think he'd be an interesting choice as well. He's a little bit less, you know, known as, as uh, you know, we were kind of saying there, but I think, and he he is also kind of in between as far as ages, like between Gary Oldman and Christian Bale, just thinking about those two in particular. So he's a little bit on the older side as well, but not not quite as old as Gary Oldman. Um, and then also, I think another thing, and, it, and this may be not even really a huge deal, and of course they can do all sorts of things with movie magic, but like Christian Bale, I know, is a little bit of a bigger guy and he can certainly bulk up or like be appear bigger depending on the role. I don't think he would need to do that for Emperor by any means, but he is like, six feet tall I think um and then whereas Gary Oldman I think he's like five eight or five nine and as he's, as he's getting older I'm sure is, is shrinking <laughs> as as uh humans tend to do but uh so I think that just physically I, I don't imagine Karina like Shaddam is like an older like not like weak necessarily like physically but 
more like he seems like he's almost still like in the peak of his career or like his life physically but his empire is kind of like crumbling beneath him and he's starting to to cross that line so i think christian bale for someone that age around 50 maybe would really kind of slip into that like pretty well i've also said this is not a rumor by any means or anything that i've like heard uh but michael fassbender is someone that i have seen thrown around and that that's someone who i thought would be an interesting choice as well and he's even on you know the younger side even compared to those he's he's a uh, 45 so a little bit younger than, than christian bale but he's also six feet tall so yeah and he has like that kind of reddish hair christian christian bale also kind of kind of has reddish hair so um and that is something that they do mention in the books is that he, they, they do have red hair um so i i'd be very curious just to see how this all ends up shaking out um with florence Pugh as the daughter it does give us a little bit more to work on as far as imagery wise but um lot of options the door is pretty wide open so it's again fun to kind of hear everyone's thoughts and, and just speculate while we can i mean christian bell would bring people in just because of the name christian bell same with gary oldman you know um fassbender maybe but not as big as those two and sadly i think mads mickelson at least in the u.s is not a big name actor yet enough to get ticket sales but i mean the rest of the cast should get ticket sales by themselves so I don't think Warner Brothers is worried about that. Only time will tell. And I think it's an interesting point about the physical appearance because the emperor, he, he is meant to be older, like uh, potentially in his uh, 60s uh, and above. Uh, but because like he's, he's uh, consuming the amounts of spice and like he has basically the, the best technology at the pyramids has at his disposition, like he looks a lot younger. So I could picture him being, you know, like a strong, strong physically but then you start to see those, those cracks more on on mentally and, and there it's going to be like interesting to see like how those actors portray it and i, I could see either one of them th them doing it I, I would be like quite interesting to see like uh christian bale because as mentioned like i can't think of a um, specifically a royalty role but like i can sort of see him like play more psychological uh mm. roles so that that would be uh would be interesting like uh, yeah I, I'd, I'd be be happy with, with your one of one of these but I'd, yeah i think maybe i'd give the, the edge to christian bale just based on what we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's fun to think. I like that we're all like acting as our own casting directors. Like, I think this would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the last thing that just kind of popped into my head as well, as we're thinking about relevancy and like name recognition, um, you know, these two other names, Florence Pugh and Austin Butler, that are seemingly all but confirmed, uh, and there's nothing to indicate that they will not be in the movie. It's interesting that Florence Pugh she, you know, she had her big breakout more and so in 2019, but she's just coming off of Black Widow, Hawkeye, the series where she appeared. A lot of people were talking about her because she's now in the MCU and she has like that blockbuster recognition or experience there. Um, and then with, you know, thinking about Austin Butler, he's not really in that realm yet, but Elvis is coming out this summer. It's going to be at Cannes Film Festival. People are already talking about how, you know, he's supposed to be like Oscar level, could be Oscar nominated next year. So he's having his kind of breakout as well, like in the headlines for another film. So just thinking that, keeping that in mind, I think that's why these names, maybe that's why they started circulating to begin with is because Mads, a lot of people were talking about him, um, you know, with the award season, uh, not just past season, but the year before. And then also, you know, he was just in Fantastic Beasts. And then now Christian Bale, a lot of people on superhero movie Twitter and, and those kind of spheres talking about, oh, he's in Thor and like, I can't wait to see him in Thor. And, and that's, you know, they cast him because people like him and, and it's coming out, you know, the summer and it obviously he's not shying away from being in blockbusters. So that's, I think that's promising. That again, makes sense. I could see why those things would line up. So um, 
again, not to get anyone's hopes up, but it is interesting to think about. So it could be Paul Bethany for all we know. <laughs> literally, I mean, it, it literally could be. We really have no idea. So, uh, and I, I would, I wouldn't be opposed to him um, by any means. So or Cumberbatch. I'm just thinking of people that are <laughs> right. like, hey, who knows at this point? I would not mind that either, honestly. I mean, <clears throat> Doctor Strange does come out this week, so they might drop that in the news. And now it's time to talk about expanded news. The Duneverse, books, comics, games, collectibles, and more. So just last week, we discussed uh, the Dune the Sisterhood TV series rumors, and it turns out where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, so it's a week later, and uh, we have Legendary has officially announced that Johan Rank is set to direct the first two episodes of the upcoming HBO Max series. Uh, he's joining uh, showrunner Diane Demujan uh, as one of the executive producers as well. Uh, Rank, he's won uh, two Emmy Awards for Chernobyl, the 2019 HBO miniseries. He's also directed key episodes of Breaking Bad and Vikings. That's not all, though. Uh, the news release also included a uh, really short synopsis, uh, basically as follows. Dune, the Sisterhood, is set 10,000 years before the ascension of Paul Atreides. The TV show follows the Harkonnen sisters as they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind and establish the fabled sect known as the Bene Gesserit. So uh, Simon, it's certainly been a while since the last updates on the TV side. What's your reaction to this official news? So I'm familiar with his work on Breaking Bad because I'm I'm a big, big Breaking Bad fan. Uh, Chernobyl, I've always wanted to see, and I guess I have to now because he's going to be working on Dune. But I think I wasn't emotionally ready because I feel like that's just going to be really pulling on the emotional string. And, you know, if he does that with the sisterhood, I am excited. I'm glad that they got someone that is familiar with dramas like Breaking Bad. And I'm not saying Chernobyl is sci-fi, but kind of that other world experience. That's what I get from seeing clips of the Chernobyl miniseries. Um, I'm sad that Denise not going to be directing the first couple, but it is what it is. You know, he might do the season finale. He might do the mid-season. Yeah, I actually saw uh, all the seasons of Vikings, and I don't know exactly which ones he directed, but um, I really, I really liked that series. I thought there was a lot of uh, depth, a lot of character, uh, character depth. Um, I thought it was most of the seasons were very well directed. So that gives me a shot in the arm that uh, if he's heading up, you know, something uh, important to me like a series about the Benny Gesserit. Um, I feel like he's got the chops. I'm not as familiar uh, with his Breaking Bad director experience or Chernobyl, but I can speak to Vikings and it was very well done and very well directed in, in, my, in my opinion. Really adding to that, uh, like this, when I saw this news, I was just so stoked because we, we had just been talking about the show and we were like, oh, we haven't really heard anything official. There's some rumors floating around, could be nonsense, could be something. And then it was like clockwork. It just, you know, just popped up like, you know, a day or two later. So, um, and, and to see, not just to get news, but news where, um, you know, you have a talent involved like this, super exciting and to have it confirmed right away. And, and for the legendary, you know, social media accounts to post about, and he posted on his Instagram, uh, uh some art of the Bene Gesserit saying that he was, you know, looking forward to getting, getting down to work. So I'm, I'm just couldn't be happier with that. I mean, it's really, you're talking about someone who is one of the, like best television directors of all time, really, because we're talking about series like Breaking Bad, like The Walking Dead, Vikings, uh, and that includes the pilots for Vikings, um, and also the fact that he did Chernobyl, 
all five episodes, which is, you know, in a lot of people's estimation, one of the all-time great accomplishments in the medium period. Uh, and he's that season afterward, he swept every single award for directing television. I, uh, I really couldn't be happier. And he, you know, Chernobyl, as, as Simon was rightfully pointing out, is not uh, light, <laughs> you know, material by any means. And there's a lot of, it's, it's brilliant because there are so many layers to it, you know, emotionally, as you're saying, it's a very dark, uh, it's very sad, you know, true, true story. It's real history. Um, and there's political intrigue and there's, you know, you know, political commentary, social commentary. And he's also not only, and you see that in the other shows he's worked on as well, um, but also he's pretty selective with what he works on. Uh, Chernobyl was his last television, you know, project, and that came out three years ago. Um, so he, he doesn't jump onto every single project that comes his way. And actually right now, as far as feature stuff that he's worked on, he's only doing, he did a feature like 2007, 2008, and now he's currently working on a feature film for Netflix that he got picked up on um, after he finished Chernobyl. And that is actually a sci-fi uh, film uh, starring Adam Sandler, Carrie Mulligan, Paul Dano. Um, so that could be a really intriguing, I have no idea. I haven't really heard much about how that film is going. Um, may, not, may not necessarily be a home run. I am looking forward to it, but just that he is kind of, he's still working and he's still kind of, uh, you know, he's still motivated and now he's working in a genre that is at least, you know, somewhat connected to Dune. Uh, I'm really excited that they got him and not only just for the pilot, but at the first couple episodes, at least, and maybe he'll come on, you know, later on in the, in the season or the series for that matter. Um, but I think that just, it's a good indicator of their intent with this show um, and that things are moving along fairly steadily and uh, must be moving along fairly well if, if, you know, he sees something and, and wants to be a part of it to some degree. Uh, and to what Simon was saying, because, you know, Villeneuve was originally said to be uh, directing the pilot. That was going to be the only episode he was going to direct. I have absolutely, you know, that it does bum me out to some degree, but with this news, I have absolutely no negative feelings about it uh, because A, it allows Villeneuve to be 100% completely focused on Dune part two. He's not going to try to balance. I mean, it's, it's like, oh, it's just one episode, but it, it just think about mentally what that would require. Um, so I'm glad that he has, can just focus on the film. And then additionally, to have someone come in that it can, you know, bring it to that level and do, do it not just for the one episode, but carry it into the second episode as well and kind of have a, a maintenance of, of the narrative and, and setting the tone for what's going to come after. I think that's important as well. So um, television directors, it is weird. They kind of come and go. Um, and they, they kind of fluctuate and, and it's, of course, you know, no one directs an entire season or an entire series um, ever, but it's, it's nice to have someone kind of getting off on the right foot and, and it, hopefully it encourages other people to, to come along and then hopefully it encourages, uh, you know, the studio to, to press forward and, and to keep it on the level that is going to attract, you know, directors and other talent like this. So I'm excited. There's also, as I mentioned on Twitter, a pretty, pretty good indicator that things are moving along, as we said. So casting news could be imminent whether that's you know soon or later into the summer maybe there was a rumor that they may be filming this fall which might be around the time that the film is finishing production so it makes sense if they're going to go to Budapest they have the space and the room to do it um so we could be a very very fun year as far as do news and getting updates and behind the scenes stuff because all summer and later into the year as well maybe maybe not just part two but the show that we're getting some news you know in regards to 
Well, I was going to say, this man just got a lot of respect for me. <laughs> I was looking at his IMDb. One of my favorite directors of all time is Mr. David Fincher. And David Fincher started off with music videos. And as someone that's a film school dropout, I can tell you, music videos are hard to do because you got three, four minutes to tell a story. But if you look, he's worked with some pretty impressive people, you know, in his music video era. He's worked with Madonna, New Order, uh, Beyonce. And I'm sure Beyonce doesn't just take anyone directing her videos, you know, as she <laughs> is Beyonce. But the one that really impressed me is he directed David Bowie's last video, Black Star. Mm -hmm. And if you ever seen that, it's it's depressing as hell because you know what happened to David. And if you listen to the lyrics, but creating that world on any of these projects. And he also worked on a documentary with Suede, which is one of my favorite bands, again, in England. So um, he can tell the story in three, four minutes. So imagine what he can do with, I'm imagining the show's gonna be, what, 55, 50 minutes, give or take, you know, an HBO show of that quality. And I think he will have a very interesting art direction, very much like Denis. And I think it's great that it's thousands of years before, because if we remember in the movie, Jessica says they've been working on this for thousands of years before Paul. So I'm now I'm even more excited about this show, looking at his IMDb. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that was coming to my mind. Last thing I'll mention is that uh, while yeah, again, while it is a little you know, a bit of a disappointment that Villeneuve will not be directing uh, the pilot, at least it is also as, as much as I love Villeneuve. And I'm sure he'd be more than capable to do the job. He's never directed television ever. So it's, you know, and it's not like this is some isolated kind of episode and, and or like, a, you know, a, a, just a one off thing. It's it's a pilot that's setting the tone for the entire, you know, rest of the season and the entire series. So um, I as much as I would have liked to have seen that again, I'm, sure, I'm glad and I'm sure he's glad <laughs> to some degree that he's not being thrust into. Well, let me let me direct my first episode of television ever. Well, I'm also trying to make this giant movie uh, that's just going to be like the biggest challenge of his life. So again, it's just kind of having a nice balance and he's still going to be, I'm sure, executive producing and everything and he'll have some creative input and kind of tell him, you know, almost maybe work in some sort of a, and we've been talking about the MCU, a Kevin Feige-esque role <laughs> where he's kind of just overlooking everything and kind of giving pointers here and there to make, make sure things line up. I think that's, you know, that's fine. He, and he doesn't have to be tied to Dune forever, but I think at this stage, it's nice that, that he's going to be there in some capacity creatively, but just not necessarily having to direct everything. I just wanted to make one last comment about my experience of, of uh, you know, watching the Vikings uh, series uh, that uh, Johan Brink directed a number of those episodes. Um, with, a, with the subject matter of like Vikings, you, you could be tempted, and I know the script's already established many times, well ahead of time, but there could be a temptation to really just emphasize, um, you know, the, the battles and the blood and the and the violence and and there's plenty of that in, in in Vikings. But more often than not, they are really going into the characters, their relationships, and and there's no voiceover, there's no there's no thoughts being being spoken, but you really get into the mind of these characters, especially the main characters, and that's going to be really essential. In, in the sisterhood because it's really getting into the minds of these of these powerful women and what they are not only what their plans are on the surface but what they're actually thinking and feeling because that's going to make it really compelling and interesting so 
in my experience, you know, here's a here's a director, like you said, Johnny, he knows he knows and does uh, television very well. And he knows how to show us the deep inner thoughts of a character without it being awkward and weird. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. And what's important about this show is that we don't know any of these characters. So we have to be interested in them right away. You know, it's going to have very much, it's going to say Dune all over it. But do we know any of these characters? You know, I don't think I've ever heard of it. Any of them even reading all of, you know, Frank's original six books. So it's going to be kind of a mystery. Who are we going to trust? Who's going to be like the villain? So it's like discovering a little Dune property for the first time. And for our last topic of the day, gaming news. Dune Spice Wars, the first Dune video game in over 20 years, if you can believe it, is now released on Steam in early access. Reactions have been positive so far. So our friend Mark from Dune Info, he shared his first impressions on dunenewsnet.com. So he said, I think fans of the old Dune real-time strategy games will find a lot to appreciate here. There are more resources and items to manage, so the learning curve is steeper. However, this feels like a worthy successor to the Westwood games. So thinking about Dune Dune 2, Dune 2000, um, those games that uh, I think uh, a lot of people um, are familiar with from uh, from the 2000s, late late end of the last century. Uh, Also, one of our writers, uh, James Campbell, he's been covering the news related to this game for the past five months or so, and he also did an in-depth review, and he gave it a final rating of four stars. Um, basically saying that the game succeeded in capturing the rich lore of Dune uh, in this interactive property, while it has multi-layered gameplay that will appeal to fans of uh, 4X real-time strategy genre in general. Uh, Garen, let me start with you. How many hours have you played this game so far? Yeah, uh, I I played it for two hours, uh, not as much as I had planned just because of uh, my schedule. But um, yeah, I I really think... um, you have to be, in my opinion, a real-time strategy game player to really appreciate and, and really be drawn into this. If that's not if that's not your cup of tea, uh, it, it's probably going to be a struggle. Um, I agree uh, with Mark. There's a more of a learning curve than I actually anticipated. I remember playing the old Dune and Dune Two games twenty uh, some odd years ago, and and those were pretty simplistic. I mean, you you understand I'm. I'm, I'm harvesting spice. I use that as my, as my monetary value and then I build my empire, right? And that's what's happening in this game, but it's much more complex. Um, I do like that you get to select your faction and each faction has advantages. And that's a motif that kind of goes through all the, the, the board games of Dune and, and all the, the properties, but uh, it's done very well. It's a beautifully uh, designed game. Um, and, and as long as you've got a machine that can that can handle the graphics load well, it's just magnificent to, to be able to move around really quickly and you know, over over the, the sands and, and see the different areas and, and the territories that you're trying to conquer. Um, but it's it's a little bit bit of a different paradigm than what you're used to because you don't just instantly start building things. You know, uh, at like for instance, I chose to be the Atreides, not to be surprised. But I, I, I wanted to just build Arakeen. I wanted to just, but you don't. You actually go and you conquer a village first. And, and there are different ways to do that. You do that by force. You also do it by diplomacy. So it's a really rich layered game. And <clears throat> I'll be interested to see if that translates well because real-time strategy fans, they just want to engage and build and fight. And that's kind of the, the, the draw to those types of games. 
And this one has a lot more. In fact, it's always prompting you to vote on propositions between you and the other factions, um, which I found uh, at first to be a little bit annoying because I didn't quite understand it, what it was, even though I read the tutorial. So uh, again, the learning curve is just a little steep there. But in terms of you know, the basic functions of a real-time strategy game, it has it all there. So you know, you, you, you know what you need to do, it's just how to get there is a little, is a little bit different. I, I kind of thought about it all week, kind of anxious to go back and, and play it again. And um, so I wish it weren't quite as complex as, as it is, but for someone who really loves the Dune franchise and the Dune universe, I kind of like that fact that, that it, it exemplifies and displays the depth of this universe that I love so much. But it might be hard for an entry level person to really uh, jump right into it. I've had like a busy few weeks, but I did manage to, like, according to Steam, I've uh, played it for eight hours. Uh, so, oh. like, uh, within that time, time I played um, three games. I didn't complete all of them, but like, I played once as the Trades, once as the, the Fremen, uh, once as the Harkonnen, just to get a feel for everything. And um, yeah, I, actually, I sort of skipped the tutorial mainly and I just went, went into it. And it's sort of just as put you in there, you know, like you're, you have your, your base and then you need to start exploring and taking over the, the adjacent territories, start up spice production. And there, there are all these different uh, elements, as, as you mentioned, it's not just a spice, but you need to think about your, uh, your, your, your money, your, your solaris, uh, you need to think about uh, water, right, because that's an important uh, faction, you can take over all these cities, but then if you don't have enough water, how are you going to, uh, you know, pr provide uh, money and then uh, you have to think about the um, uh, human resources, right, like, because obviously you, you have to expand to get enough um, human power to, to mine the spice to like get uh, your, your army into, into place. So there's a lot of different dimensions. And one thing I did notice that if you sort of like get a bad start, so you, from the beginning, you're not like sort of having a deliberate strategy because sort of like going the wrong, wrong direction where at a certain point you reach a deficit in, in one of the, the resources that you need to continue. And then you sort of like a struggle to, uh, to course correct. And then of course you're having to deal with, with the opponents and the, the natural dangers of uh, being on, on Arrakis, like the, the sandworm uh, definitely makes an appearance uh, several, several times. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it was re really engaging. I found I found myself uh, drawn in and wanting to experience more. But yeah, I agree with the, the statements that it, it is definitely a, a learning curve to that. Having said that, like I hadn't played like uh, what's called a forex game before. So for, from from what I've heard, for people who are familiar with the, with the genre, that this will be right up their their alley. So I, I think it will be uh, yeah interesting from both perspectives. Are you a Dune fan? Uh, this is a good good to try out, explore the the lore like. Uh, you know, have your conquest in Arrakis. Are you a strategy game? You know, like explore that from the perspective of, of Dune. I'm such a bad gamer. I have a PS4. We talked about this before. If it's not FIFA or NHL or any of the Star Wars Lego games, I mean, I want to, but I also, um, if it was on a console, maybe more, because I honestly just use my Mac to do the show, do some video editing and some design. But it sounds interesting, and I've seen clips of it. It looks beautiful for a, like a strategy game, and I understand why you need a system with like a high-end video card. But maybe I'll maybe I'll download it and play it for a while and be like, I love this. Or maybe I'll be like, I don't know, it's too confusing for me. But I was someone that I enjoyed Dune 2000 when I remember when I used to use a PC for that six months in my life. Um, 
it was something that I was excited about. And I love, Garen, that you said that you were thinking about it. You know, that shows the value of a game, a movie, a book, or anything, that even during your, you know, normal nine to five life, you were thinking about it and being like, oh, I have that somewhere to play. So that's a good sign for like the game developers that people are thinking about their games. Yeah, those are great points, Simon. I'm I'm in a similar boat to Simon, I suppose, although not maybe to that extreme where I, I, I do love playing games, um, but I do have a fairly, I don't want to say like narrow lane as far as what I like enjoy or what I have played, but um, like real-time strategy, definitely have not dipped my toes in that uh, to date. And I would be like fairly nervous in the way you describe like the learning curve, which definitely should not put anyone off um, if they're interested. But for me, yeah, I just, given my breadth of, of interest and like other things, I probably wouldn't like be able to commit like too much time to it. Um, especially because I think with a game like that versus something like a FIFA or a sports game or just like an open world, something you can hop in and do for a little bit, um, like kind of casually this is something where like you kind of have to build up not just your own knowledge but then kind of where where it's developing and, and everything um in worlds so uh yeah I, I probably like i said i think i've said this before i would love totally different type of game something more i'm familiar with and like enjoy if someone like a dream for me would be like if naughty dog for example like got their hands on dune and did like an action third person action adventure game like that would be unreal just especially with the waking naughty dog their visual you know fidelity and, and their gameplay mechanics and uh you know everyone's got their complaints about every studio or like game franchise or whatever but i love the uncharted games i love the last of us series so uh i'd be all over that and i would love to see that with with the fremen or you know however that might work i think it'd be just really cool and i'm sure as dune gets bigger and more popular i'm sure we will get more opportunities for games maybe not quite like that but you know branching out and having other opportunities which i'll always you know be interested in and um, touching on the point about uh, the availability. So actually I just checked, the game is available now on GeForce Now um, and that's a cloud gaming platform. So that basically means that you can play it from a Mac or from your Android tablet or, or, or whatever. So, so basically um, you, you sign up for the GeForce Now service. There's a free tier, which you can play like one hour at a time or you can pay for a subscription and then that gives you unlimited uh, hours. But basically you can stream, stream the game from your Steam account. So. Uh, that, that's an option for people who don't necessarily have a powerful uh, gaming PC. So I'm definitely glad that they were um, they moved fast to put it on on that. Well, if I can do that on my iPad, maybe I'll play it a little bit before I go to bed every night. Yeah, I think we'll have to confirm. I, I know that there was some restrictions for for iPad and iPod uh, iPhone specifically, but like for other devices, it, it should be an option. I want to make sure that we don't, don't undersell here is that this game has just been released on early access and it's already getting a lot of this, this good feedback. So uh, for example, right, right now you, you, can, you can choose four factions. You can play a game that lasts three, four, three to four hours, maybe longer depending on what uh, route you take to victory because there's you know, a lot of different directions. You could go through politics, you can go to espionage, um, you can accumulate spice, uh, get territory. So there are, there are a lot of routes uh, to victory. So some are, are faster than, than others. And there is a very, very distinct um, um, gameplay style be between the different factions. Like, you know, you definitely feel that there is a difference when you take control of the Fremen versus when you take control of 
um, of House Harkonnen. So for example, the, the Fremen, that they can get spice without having the, the spice harvesting. So they, they don't have to worry about like the worm coming up and uh, swallowing their harvester because they, they're just so attuned and they can actually ride the worm uh, to go into battle, which, which is also an interesting advantage. And then smugglers, you know, they're, they're more of an economic faction. So there is a lot of re replayability there already. Uh, but as mentioned, the, the team behind this, it seems that they're really looking to listen to communities. So I've seen on their Discord server, they're, they're very active, like uh, interacting with, with the fans. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure that uh, they have in mind uh, some important features there. So for example, right now, it's not, there is no multiplayer. That's potentially something that, that could, be, could be added later on. There's no really campaign mode. You know, it's just you, you enter the game and then you play until you win. Uh, but that would be interesting to see a campaign mode with with more uh, story elements. So yeah, I think that the, like from here, that there, there's a lot that they can add uh, leading up to the final uh, final release. So yeah, that's all the do news for today. It was uh, yeah, really exciting to cover uh, three exciting aspects of of Dune Media that that's coming out. It's just uh, yeah, like if if you had uh, just pictured five years back that there would be so much uh, great Dune content uh, coming uh, coming out. It's just uh, yeah, this is so, so amazing to think about all the time. Uh, so let's go ahead and sign off for this week. All right, guys, this is Johnny Sobchak. Uh, as always, great to talk about everything Dune. And uh, especially, you know, I always say at the end of every episode, because we do have kind of a, a break in between episodes where who knows what's, what we're going to find out or what news is going to happen uh, between now and next time. So stay tuned. Thank you for watching, as always, and supporting it. Always fun to engage with everyone. And, and uh, it's, uh, you know, as... As Marcus pointed out, a very exciting time uh, for a lot of different reasons to be a Dune fan. Simon here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Insta, Dowdy. Uh, thank you so much for everyone that watches, listens. You know the routine. Hit that smash button. Like I'm gonna become the I'm gonna become that guy <laughs> on the show. Okay, I've been doing it. You know, and honestly, I love the conversations <laughs> I see in the comments. I might not reply to all of them, but I I keep an eye out on them. And also pick up that Dune comic from Boom because it's all about Gurney Halleck. Hey, it's Garen on Twitter at Dune Companion and uh, just really enjoy talking to you guys, uh, going through all the stuff. So I, I, I picked up a little book over the weekend and, and, uh, and read it again for the fifth time. And uh, in our last episode, we went in depth on, on Messiah and Dune Messiah is absolutely required reading. <laughs> I just can't get over how good it is. So I just have to say <laughs> that before we close. So um, yeah, this is uh, Marcus Gabriel. Uh, you, can, you can find uh, me writing on dunewsnet.com and uh, on um, Twitter and Instagram at uh, Do Newsnet. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to everybody who's interacting with us, supporting us, and also for, uh, uh, of course, for the, um, the, the publishers for providing us with, uh, with the content so that we can do these, uh, these reviews. That's, that's always the important so that we can get, get these uh, reviews out to you in, in time. Um, yeah, so look, look forward to a lot more in the coming, uh, coming weeks, and uh, until then, uh, stay, stay safe and spicy. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to DuneNewsNet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.